Good afternoon, everyone out in the Facebook sphere. Uh, my name is Danny. I am the community life pastor over at Mosaic's WDW campus. And today I am joined with Carrie Waters Hi. and with Renault. What's up, guys? Great to be with you. And today we are venturing, we're continuing our series into the disciplines of the faith, the rhythms of intimacy, the spiritual disciplines. Now, uh, as we enter in, uh, for those of us who have not been able to tune in for all the weeks, or maybe this is your first time checking this out, you've never even heard the word spirit, the, the, the phrase spiritual disciplines before. Renaud, do you mind just giving us a quick refresher about what are spiritual disciplines? Sure. I mean, uh, like we've said in some of the weeks past, uh, essentially the spiritual disciplines um, are the platforms, the, the works, the spaces we've been given to be able to work at our intimacy with God. There is no relationship that you will ever have with anyone in any version that will not require work in terms of building intimacy. The reality is a lot of times in our normal relationships we have, we don't think of it as work because there is this natural uh, progression because we have a physical uh, proximity to each other. And so when I first meet a brand new person and we converse, and then as we converse, we ask questions, get to know each other. Then we might go hang out for coffee, then after coffee, we might develop, and then you're making time for each other. All those things are actually works. There are things you are adjusting and deciding to do outside of your previous pattern that cause a building of intimacy with somebody. And so the disciplines of the faith are the things we do that focus our time, energy, uh, and, and resources toward working in our relationship with God for the sake of intimacy. So just to be clear, the disciplines of the faith are not things we do for God to prove anything to him or to solicit anything from him. The disciplines of the faith are something we do with God to produce intimacy with him so that we can enjoy him as he has made us to do. And so that's a very, very big difference. Oftentimes the disciplines of the faith can feel like boxes to check, works to be done to earn something from God or prove something to God. Not the case. They are works of intimacy. That's what they are. So that's a great recap. That's I think that's super helpful, especially for many of us who come from different different traditions within the church and stuff where we have different interpretations of kind of the way those things flush out where it might come from some legalistic backgrounds where yep. we think oh these are the things I must do to just check off being a good Christian uh, and uh, or even to, to please God yeah I, I, I've got to do these things to please God so that he is pleased with me the disciplines of the faith are not things we do to please God they're things we do to be with God to connect with God to to feel close to God, that's that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. So when we when we say phrases like the the rhythms of intimacy, that's not just some flowery language that no. we're just um, slapping on a new label to some old truth. It is literally what it is. It is through these rhythms that we draw near an intimacy with Jesus Himself. Totally. Yeah. Which then allows us to look more like Jesus. He changes us mm. in those and grows us in holiness in the yeah. midst of our hanging time with him and being with him. He's sanctifying us. And isn't it funny that that's really how any relationship works, right? I mean, the longer we spend time with anyone, 
the more they become a little more like us mm-hmm. and we become a little more like them. You start talking like them. Yes, like you, you totally Finish do. Finish each yeah. other's sentences. And, yes. and Brooke, Brooke often says when I hang out with different people and I get to know them, yeah. he'll, she'll start saying things like, you're using that phrase yeah. that he uses all the time. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And then you're like, you yeah. know, yes, you are. So it's, it's the same dynamic. The more we spend time with God, the more we become like him and start thinking, breathing, seeing, hearing, feeling like he does and like he made us to. Yeah, that's super good. Uh, Well, before we get into our disciplines of the faith we'll be talking about today, I just wanted to do a quick shout out to all of our, our, all of our Mosaic family who is joining in with us. It looks like Kim Shu, Dorothy Gunn. Hey guys. Some WDW people over (laughs) there. Uh, Yeah, we got uh, Michelle Obi. Obi, what's up, man? See, Obi, I told you I'd make it. (laughs) Obi saw me like literally 15 minutes ago in Winter Garden. Uh And he's like, are you going to make it? (laughs) And I'm like, Obi. I, I always make you it. Make so it. I, what, are you, what are you kidding? I've got, I got all the time in the world. Absolutely. And I looked at my watch and I'm like, uh, maybe not as much time as I thought. So <laughs> here I am. So great. Boom. And uh, it looks like uh, Aubrey, Aubrey and Lulu and Yara are Lulu. all on as well. Yara. All right. Awesome. Awesome. It's great to have you guys all on today. Please, if you have any questions as we are walking into the spiritual disciplines that we'll be talking about today, which are celebration and gratitude, if you have any questions, maybe uh, some of the the responses that Carrie and Renault have kind of spark some thoughts or questions, or maybe you have something related to these two disciplines of the faith, but it doesn't really feel like it connects directly with maybe something that they're addressing, sweet, awesome, bring it on. Please post it in the comment section below, and we'd love to answer as many of those questions as we can today. Yeah. So with that in mind, our next question is this. We are talking today about the spiritual disciplines of celebration and gratitude. Favorite. And yeah, absolutely. Those are good ones. But on face value, they don't sound a whole lot like disciplines, right? Totally. So why do we categorize them as such? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, um, I think in many ways, the reason we categorize these particular ones as disciplines is because they are a profound way in which we experience a great connection with God when we think about who he is to us and who we are because of him. And so this idea of coming to a place where I'm constantly remembering and engaging mentally and emotionally with the things that he has done, is doing, will do for me, those those active Um, choices I make produce a deep sense of connection between Mm -hmm. me and God. And then what's produced out of those choices is this overwhelming sense of gratitude or celebration. So where they do differ from some of the other disciplines is that the actual act of gratitude or act of celebration has to be born out of a different work. So like where prayer is the work itself, Fasting may be the work itself. Silence is the work itself. Things are then born out of that. On this one, gratitude and celebration are born out of when we remember, which we'll talk about Mm -hmm. some today. But then they are in themselves also an activity, an active thing I do. As I remember, I then exert or express celebration or gratitude, and that is my expressed discipline. But I can't express that discipline 
in of itself. It is not the work. It's the response. But it's also the work. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I can remember and not express gratitude or not express celebration. And then I'm not in that discipline, which is why we call it just one of the disciplines. It is a response, but it's also a choice. Yeah. And so, for example, when we gather in the gathering of the church on the weekly rhythm that a church gathers, and we sing songs that are uh, reflective of who God is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him, and we sing them together, and we might raise a hand, or we might express with the closed eyes, or some kind of mm. internal or mental focus, right? We are celebrating mm-hmm. out of certainly a remembering, but the celebration is the act. It is the discipline. It is the thing. We can do that in corporate settings. We can do that in personal, private settings. But that's why we call them disciplines, because they are in of themselves an act. Yeah. Yeah. Which produces great joy. It does. Yeah. And so isn't it funny, though, that this particular discipline is a production of something? I remember. Then when I remember, I can celebrate and, and I find myself full of gratitude, but then they also produce in of themselves other things too, like Mm -hmm. the other disciplines. They produce contentment. They produce joy. They produce a sense of peace, Mm -hmm. a sense of safety, a sense of connection and intimacy with God. So that's so good. Mm -hmm. As I'm, as I'm hearing uh, you guys kind of talk about this, I love what you just said, Carrie, that this produces joy Mm -hmm. in us. I, I think back to like when I was in college taking a philosophy class and I forget which philosopher, but said that we are thinking things, that we are basically just a brain. All we're supposed to do is just think. We don't, like emotions, irrelevant. And sometimes in the church, we can kind of be guilty. Kind of sad of, for that philosopher. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But sometimes <laughs> in the church, we can think kind of similarly. It's about knowing the right things. Do you intellectually know all the right things about God? But these disciplines kind of in some ways move us not just from an intellectual, like something we know, but something that we experience, something that our, we guide our emotions with truth. What do you guys, um, as you're kind of processing that, how does that kind of come into play? That it, we're not just about the brain, but we're about the heart as well. Yeah, and I think that you can't love what you don't know. So I would say you have to know God, and that will sink down into melting our heart and allowing us to to worship even. But I think the knowledge of God will cause us to love him. So I think that is what what we don't know we can't love. But the more we know him, I think the more we'll love him because that's what the gospel does. It melts our heart. It does. Yeah. So it it is important then to have a right understanding of God, uh, a biblical mm -hmm. understanding of him, but then not to just keep it there. Right. Because if you only have emotionalism, if you're only led by emotion, then basically life's going to kill us because it's an emotional roller coaster. Mm. So you walk out and there's your planet death. And so um, something happens that's bad. All of a sudden, your view of God is is in a different space where if you know who God is, when bad things happen, um, you can go back to truth. And that is um, that allows you to be able to, to still um, enter in with... Um, uh, correct knowledge, which allows you to um, have freedom in that. So it's interesting, and I, and I love the way That's you great. put that, Carrie, because one of the things we'll discover as we journey through this today is that gratitude, especially, celebration, perhaps more of kind of an expression of gratitude, right? Super grateful for something so that you, then you express in celebration. 
um, that, that most often in our human experience, it is the result of an external circumstance or an internal clarity. So in other words, something occurs that is super nice, then we are grateful. So gratitude is purely a response. Yeah. And that's why it was so odd to call it a, di a discipline because we're used to thinking about it as purely a response. Something occurs, I'm grateful. Something doesn't occur, I'm not grateful, yeah. right? Yeah. If gratitude is simply a response like it is in our, in our human experience, then the trouble with that is it is fleeting, right? Mm. Yeah. And it is wholeheartedly dependent on things we can't control. Right. So outside of us, things happen and we're either grateful because they were good things or we're not grateful because they were not good things. And our gratitude is not a discipline, just a response. Mm -hmm. What the Bible allows as it reveals God to us is to say, you now have an opportunity to actually engage actively in the remembering or the knowing of truth that transcends circumstance mm -hmm. so that in any circumstance there is space to transcend with knowledge right. and in this knowledge to birth gratitude and then express celebration. Yeah. But the circumstance is terrible. Yeah. It, it deserves no gratitude. <laughs> but Yes, but, but in light of this knowledge, mm -hmm. this remembering, this circumstance actually now taps into yeah. Yeah. a gratitude and celebration is born. Yeah. And so what a powerful tool this discipline is that it actually allows us to transcend the typical external things that so deeply violate our gratitude yeah. because they're not always nice and we can constantly engage in gratitude, gratitude because we have the right knowledge. So, so the discipline then so is good. how do we engage in that right knowledge mm -hmm despite circumstance yeah. or in the midst of circumstance to help us transcend the horror of circumstance and engage in gratitude mm -hmm. then celebration which connects us to God and produces intimacy which brings joy and peace and contentment which leaves us free yeah. there there's the whole cycle again yeah. so so good that, that's great. Uh, you touched on starting to enter into the narrative of Scripture, and I'd love to get there in just a moment. But before we get there, uh, there's one last thing that I was hoping that we could kind of unpack. We've been talking about the, these different spiritual disciplines, and with each of them, uh, they have usually uh, individual, personal, like one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Jesus side to it. But there's usually a corporate side where as we, as the family of God, as the church of God, as the gathering of the saints, that we engage in some of these together. So there's some that are like maybe meditation where that's a little bit more personal. Mm -hmm. But then there are some that are a little bit more communal. Uh, and these ones tend to gratitude and celebration. These, I see them as kind of connecting into both spaces of both a personal thing and a corporate thing. How do you guys see that kind of engaging in, um, in the life of the believer? Well, I think in the corporate sense, that's the obvious one, right? Yeah. It's not difficult to try to describe that one. We yeah. gather up, we sing about Jesus, we remember Jesus, mm. we, we, we study his word. Things are born out of us that we're like, wow, we're, we're grateful. So the corporate one's relatively easy to understand in this discipline. The personal one is where it gets a little bit more kind of what does that actually mean and how does that play out? And I know part of why we have Carrie here today is because this is a, a journey that the personal encounters with gratitude or even 
engaging in the remembering despite circumstance to bring about gratitude, to lead to celebration, to bring about joy, peace, and contentment Mm -hmm. has been a huge part of her personal story outside of simply the corporate environment. And so probably, you know, unpack for us a little bit, okay, if this is a corporate discipline and we Mm -hmm. know that, how has it for you really been a very personal discipline and affected that journey for you? Yeah. So um, about 10 years ago, I was, um, I had swine flu. And so the swine flu for me, so I've had asthma all my life in the sense of just a, um, a um, exercise-induced asthma or um, seasonal asthma. So nothing that's, nothing that even phased me really mm. um, until I got swine flu 10 years ago. And when I got that, um, my whole system um, shut down, and I had um, I tr- it triggered severe asthma. So I went into um, a state for a whole year where um, I was in a I was just suffocating every day. Oh. And um, so my any time I would walk in somewhere, and it, the particles that I would breathe in would get into my lungs, it, they would overcompensate, and so it would cause suffocation. Um, which would trigger my asthma, and then I would go into full-blown asthma attacks. Um, and this was, you know, constant, uh, it, it, probably on the daily of just the um, – and, and it's interesting because I, I definitely did life in with a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people knew me, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, you have that 100 people know 5% of you. And when, when this came upon me, when I, when I had asthma and swine flu and this whole season of suffering, um, it was neat because in the midst of that, I was so – uh, independent before that, mm. and then after getting this, I had to become so dependent on people um, to where I, you know, there was even, you know, reality of, of sleeping alone in my home was hard because I would suffocate in the middle of the night, and so just people would have to be around to, to help me in the community, um, whereas a couple people knew um, the intimacy of, of that with me, and uh, which was hard because it was embarrassing, and there was just a lot of, like, I mean, it was scary, I was fearful, there was so many hard things in the midst of that, uh, not knowing what was wrong with me, not knowing if I was going to live or die pretty much on a daily basis. Um, and in the midst of that, these people um, knew 100% of me. So I had like five people who just knew all of me. Um, and that really allowed me to see how important biblical community is and how important it is to um, you know, have other people in your life to when if you're just at your wit's end and you can't even go on to the next breath, that people are just with you, and that does make a difference. Um, but uh, when I'm alone in it, the fact is, is realizing that when you can't breathe and your breath is dependent on God, in the midst of that trial, um, I think he taught me a lot of, um, instead of running away from him, running to him, um, that I was so dependent on him that my next breath was grace. And um, I, in the midst of it, um, learned that um, that my breath just became prayer. So I knew that if my next breath didn't come, that um, I, would, I would be with him. But he was, my life was so dependent on him that I needed, um, that if, if it didn't, if I was with him, then that would be good. That's a win. Um, and if, it, if I did stay on this planet, then, um, then I had purpose in my life. And so it wasn't asthma that... Um, 
like that couldn't take my life away. It was the fact that God sustains my life. And so through this year, I learned God sustains my life. Mm-hmm. It's not my health. It's not whether I live or die is up to him. And so learning these things allowed me to be, that's why I'm saying the knowledge of the truth is what set me free because mm-hmm. I realized that my days are numbered, so I don't have to fear asthma. And if I am to go home with God, then asthma doesn't matter. I'll die any other way. But if I am to stay here, then my, my purpose is here is for for his sake to make him known and to glorify his name. And so I think learning in this, when that, when I went through that trial and still going through it, um, the joy that came from the intimacy with him, because I was so desperate uh, for my next breath, really, um, that um, I, I only had him. And so almost now I'm so thankful for my asthma because when I have an asthma attack, like it's scary, don't get me wrong, like I don't love it, but what it does is help me remember that um, that he is the only thing that I need and I need to hold on to him and being with him, it takes away the fear and, and, and intimacy with him takes away my anxiety and intimacy with him actually brings me joy. And so now the trials of asthma, um, when I do have an attack, I, I, it's almost like a, a reminder of, um, I get to live on this. I get to live here. I get to live on mission and life is short. So I need to live fully today and realize that, um, that there's purpose and however he wants to use me, mm-hmm. awesome, and that I can use my suffering for the sake of, of relating with other people. So, um, you know, you know, there's a lot of triggers I have where smoking and, you know, smells if I walk in a place and, you know, there's smells that can trigger it. Um, so I have to be careful. So I have to do a lot of things different. Um, and so I can't live the way I used to live. Um, but how I live now almost makes me um, remember his grace, remember his goodness, remember that he sustains my life and in the midst of it that he's holding me. Um, so my asthma now is just a, a catapult to intimacy with him, which literally produces joy yeah. because when I'm preaching the gospel to myself and when I'm intimate with him, um, there's so much joy. Yeah. And so now to even dare say asthma gives me joy because I, I really do... Um, I really do know that uh, in the midst of that time going through all of that and still going through it, um, these trials allow me to, to know that my purpose on this planet, he, a gift is today, and then celebrate it. I, I mean, I feel great right now, but who knows how I'll feel in three hours, you know, but it doesn't matter because I have right now yeah. and to live with purpose. And so really, truly realizing that our circumstances are just circumstances. They're not good or bad. They grow us in holiness and they drive us to Jesus because when I'm in a good circumstance, when things are awesome, I'm usually not close to Jesus, mm-hmm. which actually puts me at greater risk. When I am struggling to breathe, I'm desperate for Jesus and I'm hanging out with him closely because I don't, I don't know if I'll, I'll have my next breath. And so that drives me to a safe place, which is in his arms. So, it's awesome. That, that is awesome. Now, when you were talking about the initial diagnosis a decade ago, yeah. I would imagine that your heart posture didn't immediately jump towards gratitude. <laughs> yeah. So this is where that whole discipline aspect yeah. came into play. So what was that like for you, the initial diagnosis, the realization, my life isn't looking the same, and unless God does something that only he can do, if that's what he chooses. So how how were you able to step into gratitude um, and then begin to cultivate that within you? Yeah. Such a good question, and it it does bring up a lot of 
you know, just the, the sadness because, you know, when you are in suffering and trial and there is a diagnosis that says, you know, um, an asthma attack can take your life, I, I mean, the fear and um, there, it isn't like, oh, this is great, um, although I've learned a lot in it, but thinking back to it and remembering I mean, I was scared to death, and there was, and I was so alone because I'm, you know, single and living alone in my house. I did back then. Um, you know, there was a lot of man. I, I, I don't know if um, I, I didn't like it. It was uh, hard and fearful, and there was a lot of um, just questions with God. You know, the why God. Um, but what I learned in the midst of the why was that if I keep asking that question. Um, that's not going to produce, um, that just kept producing anxiety and fear. Mm. But if I kept asking the, um, the how do I get through the next moment, God, and he just kept saying, come to me, come to me, uh, that actually produced um, comfort. And, and so I think, you know, when, when we say, gosh, there's a lot, you have a diagnosis of anything, immediately your thoughts run wild. And so my thoughts would be, what if, what if, what if? And uh, the living in the, uh, the imagination of tomorrow, what's going to happen, um, did not, it kind of brought me more death. So God was just very clear, I'm not going to give you grace for your imagination. Mm. Uh, don't worry about tomorrow. This moment, I will give you all the grace that you need to get through and just um, realizing that when I wanted to run away from him because, you know, of the anger or the um, trial of why me? And God's like, why not? <clears throat> you get to do this, Carrie. This is, this is something where you're going to learn more about me and you, I am going to allow this, this suffering for the sake of, of growing you more like Jesus and growing you in holiness and not a second, and not a millisecond of it is going to go without purpose for, for his glory. And so knowing that and remembering that is what allows the joy. Um, and I don't love to not be able to breathe. Like, that is not fun. So it's so scary. Um, but what I do love is that in the midst of it, God pours his grace down, and I feel it, and I know it. And um, the prayers, sometimes you don't even know what to pray, so you don't pray. So I had to go in and just start praying psalms. Mm. Uh, Psalm 135 was one that I prayed a lot. Um, just that who he is, and that helped build confidence in, in knowing that... Um, that who he is allows me to have more comfort in my father. Um, and so it, it, did, it did produce the joy, which is crazy, because now I, I do, when I'm not suffering in the midst of an asthma attack, I do think, oh, man, I'm untouchable. But when I have it, I think, man, this life is precious, and I need to live it for his glory, and I want to make him known, and I want to make his name great. And so I do have that. Now, one of the things that I think is so phenomenal to watch in stories like this, and Carrie's story in particular as well, is the movement from a focus on what I don't have to a focus on what I do have. Because gratitude, obviously, is the response of the human heart to something we have that we don't deserve. Right? That's mm. the purest sense of when we feel gratitude. We, we, we discover we have something, or we, we are given something, and we're like, what? Mm. And then birthed in us is this sense of gratitude, right? Mm. Um, even when we accomplish something, 
that we didn't think we could accomplish or we hoped we could and then we do, there's a graduation that happens and we walk up, we get our cap and gown, we feel gratitude. Why? Because I've, I've, I've attained something that I'm now receiving that I've worked hard at or I've been given a gift that I didn't work hard at and I'm receiving. All those produce gratitude, but they, are all, uh, uh, they all have one thing in common. It is a recognition of what I have rather than a recognition of what I don't have. And we always find ourselves there in life, right? So Carrie's story is a beautiful example of that. I lose my breath in this diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so I ask God, why me? Why this? Why don't I have breath? Why do I have this diagnosis that's costing me? Why has it removed from me all these things? And then the work Carrie had to do, if she chose to do it, which she did, Mm -hmm. was to keep transferring that thought process into a new place that said, hold on, what is God telling me I do have that I just, I'm not noticing because of what I don't have? And oftentimes, actually, the very things I have now, I have as a result of what, what I've lost. And so um, for Carrie, it was, I don't have breath to I have this breath today. Mm-hmm. And this breath now becomes this clarity of what everybody else takes for granted, the breath they have. Because none of us can, none of us should take our breath for granted because, I mean, an asthma attack is a very tangible experience, mm-hmm. but, I mean, my heart stops today. I stop breathing. I die. That could happen. It happens on a daily basis to hundreds, if not thousands of humans on this planet today. Yeah. And none of them are walking around right now going, I'm just thinking about every breath I have and how beautiful it is. <laughs> yeah. we never because do. We never do. Yeah. Because we don't know what we have. Right, we, are, we are people that focus on what we don't have and we take for granted what we have. Mm-hmm. So the act mm-hmm. of um, gratitude is, and the expression of celebration is often, uh, needs to often start with the act of reconstructing or remembering mm-hmm. the reality of what we have, not what we don't have. So... Where this, you, you saw it happen in Carrie's story as she started recognizing what she had from God, minute by minute, in the day, her future with God started alleviating the fear of what she's going to lose, right? Mm-hmm. In the same way, I think the scripture lays that out for us in such clarity that we are a people that forget yeah. what we have been given. Yeah. And so the more we can come back and remember, because mm-hmm. I, you know, I think if you're at Mosaic, you know this. If you're, if you're listening to this and you're not part of Mosaic, you know, here we talked uh, a lot last year about the idea of uh, a lion, when it, when, it, when it tears its prey apart, we, we use the word dismembering. It dismembers mm-hmm. the antelope. And that the word remember is the opposite of dismember. It's taking all of the parts that have now been torn apart and it's reconstructing them or remantling them, if you will, when something's been dismantled. So every day, circumstances dismantle or dismember the clarity we have of what God has done for us, what he is doing for us, and what he will do for us. Mm -hmm. And our choice every day is either to allow those circumstances to tell us what we don't have and then dismember the gospel, mm-hmm. or to use those circumstances to remind us of what we do have yep. and remember the gospel. Yeah. So when I sit and eat a meal yes. and I say grace, I can either do the thanks for the food, amen, which we, we all do, or I can go, thank you that this little meal that is a daily sustenance that gives me life is actually a little reminder 
of the soul rescue you've effected for me. Yeah. So if I, if, I, if I eat this meal, letting it become a remembering mm-hmm. of the great gift I have of eternal life through Christ and freedom now in Christ, mm-hmm. then this meal becomes a profound space that births gratitude and celebration. Mm-hmm. If the meal's just a meal and I'm thankful God gave it to me, then I'm only seeing this. And if I'm not thankful at all, I don't even say thank you, mm-hmm. I just eat. Then I'm saying this meal is a nothing. In fact, if it's a meal I don't like, then I'm not even, then I'm, then I'm focusing on what I don't have. Yeah. So in the big picture, the small picture, when circumstances are awesome, see with Carrie, you see this now. Mm-hmm. She has breath. And she's grateful mm-hmm. that she is not in the middle of a place where she doesn't have breath. She doesn't have breath, and she's grateful that even though she doesn't have breath, she has God, and he's enough when she doesn't have breath. So gratitude is found in the worst of circumstances and found in the greatest of circumstances if our finding is remembering the greatest of all realities, which is the gospel and the work God has done for us and the future he has afforded us, and that we are safe in all of that. That's so good. And I think it's important for all of us to remember, because the, rea- the truth is, is all of us are going through different realities right now. I and mean, some of us who are probably tuning in right now are going through some equally difficult, scary circumstances. Some of us are probably in a season where things are generally going well. Uh, and wherever we are at, knowing that that it doesn't happen overnight, that this is a discipline, but also knowing that the family of God is a safe place where you don't have to clean up. You don't have to come in and, oh, they talked about celebration and gratitude. So I need to go on to Sunday gathering, put on my best Christian smile Mm -hmm. and say, oh, too blessed to be stressed. Like any of those Christian Mm, cliches. I like that one. I want a t-shirt. Yeah. Too blessed to be stressed. I don't want that shirt. Yeah. I'll get it for an hour only. Yeah. Uh, but I won't wear it. <laughs> but just living. Unless on the back it says, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, but being able to know that we have a safe place in the family of God to wrestle mm-hmm. together with the difficult realities of life. So again, I just want to encourage anyone that is out there right now, uh, if you have any questions or any clarifications that you might uh, like on any of the things that are happening, please go ahead and type in those questions in the comments below. And I'd love uh, to uh, have those questions uh, at least partially answered by Carrie and Renault in our uh, remaining time together. Now, Renault, you did talk about remembering and uh, especially remembering back on God's truth, what we know about God and what he has been doing, his, his story of salvation throughout scripture. So with that in mind, uh, when we look at gratitude and celebration, these are not some little tiny footnotes in scripture. This is a through line that is laced throughout the entire narrative. So with that in mind, where do we see gratitude and celebration within the narrative of scripture yeah so that you know um i I think gratitude and celebration um in of themselves are extremely expressed in scripture as a part of what our life ought to be about but simultaneously is expressed within them behind them and after them this reality of our remembering why we have gratitude because again Our gratitude, if placed in circumstances, is fleeting. Our gratitude, if placed in God, is stable, right? So here's the the beauty of the discipline of gratitude or the discipline of celebration. Sometimes 
we remember, and so we celebrate. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in celebrating, we remember Mm. and we are grateful. Sometimes we are grateful because we remember, because we've celebrated. So that's why I love these disciplines because they are both response as well as they uh, they are initiator. So, for example, uh, in Scripture, uh, God in the Old Testament says, when, whenever uh, the rhythm of the year goes about, we want you to gather up. Yeah. We want you to celebrate a particular event that occurred in your past uh, through a feast or a festival. Mm-hmm. And then we want you in that to celebrate that event or the promise made by God to you for some future event. So sometimes the feasts and festivals were to celebrate the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. Sometimes they were designed to celebrate the rescue of God in the past. So you have the festival of lights that was about God is light and he's coming and he's going to be our light and he's going to save us. That's why when Jesus stood up and said, I am the light of the world at the festival of lights, he was making a messianic declaration. He wasn't apologizing for who he was. He was saying... FYI, Messiah's here. Um, In the same way, you had a feast like the Passover, which was remembering a past rescue of God and tying to a future uh, promise of God. So we see in in the Old Testament um, this constant, beautiful uh, uh, invitation command to come and celebrate for the sake of remembering. Hmm. And when you remember, remember both past present and future, which is one of the things that I think is key in our celebration with God is whichever one we're remembering, something he did, something he's doing, something he will do, they are always simultaneously pointing to something he did or is doing or will do. So you can't remember what he did without that also being a picture of what he will do Mm -hmm. and a reminder of what he is doing. That's why I always say, I think for us, it is always going, what has God done for me? Question. What is God doing for me? question, what will God do for me, question. So then in any circumstance that I'm in, I can use that circumstance instead of asking the question, why me? Mm. I can ask the question, what will I know, can I know of you because of this circumstance? Poverty can do that for me. Wealth can do that for me. Sickness can do that for me. Health can do that for me. Breath can do that for me. Lack of breath can do that for me. It's a beautiful thing. I can know God in any circumstance, if I'm asking the right question, what should I know of you here that I can know of you in no other place? And then I have something instead of losing something. So the Old Testament's full of that. Mm -hmm. You come and celebrate to remember, and then as you remember, be grateful and celebrate. Mm -hmm. Then the New Testament rolls in, (laughs) and Jesus takes that pattern, and he says, I want you to continue that pattern, but instead of just remembering now past events, I want you to remember the present event you're going to be a part of and remember it not only in its past case, I died for you, but in what the implications of that for your, are for your future. I died for you, so therefore you have freedom now, and therefore you will have eternal life later. So it's the I, I did, I'm doing, I will do. And so communion was born at the Passover meal. And what did he say? Whenever you gather gather around this table to come and remember me. There's that beautiful word again. Remember me. And why are we gathering around the table to remember? So we can be miserable. And no, so that we can so that we can remember what he's done and what that means for our here and now and our future. And then birthed out of that is gratitude for what he's done, doing and will do. And then out of that I celebrate. That's why we call when we say, let's all gather up to what communion? 
celebrate mm. communion. We're celebrating what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, the authors of scripture make this assumption throughout the New Testament. You get lots and lots of verses that are tying to kind of how we should live. And they always have this with thanksgiving in your heart, yeah. with gratitude in your soul. Absolutely. So like, do not be anxious for anything, but in all things, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, mm-hmm. present your request to God, Philippians mm-hmm. chapter four. Mm-hmm. You see this scattered throughout the New Testament. There's always this assumption, if we know what we know, which we do, and if we're remembering it, which we ought, then what choice do we have in any circumstance but to be in awe of what that circumstance affords us now because of what we know about God. The circumstance yes. affords us nothing in of itself, right. but it affords us the opportunity to know something of God that we would not have known in any other circumstance but this one. So I become jealous of a circumstance like Carrie has because I'm like the grace she experiences mm-hmm. in that circumstance, I do not have access to. Yeah. True. And I'm a little jealous about that. Do I want to not breathe? No, no, I I don't. I'm not jealous for that. But I am a bit jealous of the things she will know of God now that I do not. So my loss is actually not a gain of breathing, but a loss of intimacy with God, perhaps, that she has that I can't yet know. So I begin to say, God, what circumstance might I engage in that I would know what she knows? And it does not have to be suffering, because I would argue If we have the right mind in the biblical narrative of remembering, we can remember in any circumstance, which then also removes this poverty theology that says, you cannot really know God until you suffer. Because when you're not suffering, you don't really think about God, which there is truth to that. We typically do that as humans. But as followers of Jesus now, we're we're given this opportunity to say, stop, in any circumstance, if you're asking the right question, What can I know of you, God, in this moment? I'm about to eat a meal. What can I remember of you? I'm about to sit with one of my children and play putt-putt with them. What can I remember of you? I just had a fight with my spouse. What can I remember of you? I just engaged with a friend and it was a hard conversation. What can I remember of you? If that's where we, what, what, how can I make you known and how can I know you? Then every circumstance becomes an opportunity to practice the discipline of gratitude and celebration, which leads to intimacy, freedom, joy, peace, and contentment. And the more we experience those things as we remember, the more we will remember and the more we will celebrate and be grateful. So this, was the, this is the idea of scripture. It's an assumption now. Do everything with gratitude. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you know what you know. How? Because you remember. Wow. And there it is. And that's the preaching the gospel to yourself every yep. day. And that's where you're preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Humbled and thankful and joyful. Yep. No matter what your circumstances are. So what can I know of God today that I can know in no other circumstance? And how can I make God known today yes. in this circumstance in a way I could not make him known in any other circumstance? That's great. And uh, we just got a question in um, from Acacia Bailey. Uh, and her question that kind of just jumps in perfectly what you just mentioned about the gospel mm-hmm. is what is the best way to tangibly share the gospel? Um, I would imagine that's both to ourselves and and as a gospel voice to others mm-hmm. through the demonstration of gratitude and celebration in a community of believers. Does that demonstration differ in a community of non-believers? So does that does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm. Do you want me to repeat that again? Is that good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think? 
So the celebration, like preaching the gospel to yourself or to community of believers? Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, outside the community of believers. So versus how, did, how does it differ in preach to me, mm-hmm. preach to the biblical community, preach to the, yeah. no, the, 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 the non-believing community through specifically my active engagement in gratitude yeah. and celebration? Yeah. How do I use gratitude and celebration in that? I mean, I don't know that it's a difference. I think you sh- mm-hmm. it would be the same for me whether I'm walking into believers or non-believers in, in how I live or what I'm sharing. Um, <coughs> I think I would do it differently in the sense of um, getting to know. If I'm, do it, if I'm walking in with non-believers, my goal is to get to know them. My yep. goal is to, um, how can I love them? How can I show them active kindness? How can I um, build bridges with them of, you know, just so that we get to know one another and relationally connect um, and then kind of gain trust. And I would say that in the, the midst of gaining the trust is when you can start sharing about where your joy comes from. Uh, and I know that when I was going, th- you know, when I have um, trials with asthma, the, they'll look to me and say, well, you know, why is, why is God doing that to you? You're a good person. Mm-hmm. I would be like, well, I'm really not. Only God is good. Um, but I could use that to yeah. say, well, um, what this does for me is it drives me in intimacy with Jesus because my breath comes from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even, you know, everything that God allows us to walk through can be um, uh, opportunities to share his love, share his grace with people who are non-believers mm-hmm. and with people who are believers. Yep. You know, I, I would also say for me, one of the things um, that I'm, I'm I'm more and more intrigued by with this gratitude and celebration um, expression uh, in discipline, uh, outside of personally for myself, but for the biblical community and for the larger community at large, is that I want to express what I'm grateful for um, very clearly, mm-hmm. despite circumstance, and not pretend I'm grateful for circumstance. <laughs> so the blessed and not stressed concept that we live out yeah. a lot of times, we live out with the idea that what I'm supposed to be yeah. demonstrating to the biblical community and to the larger community is that nothing phases me. Yeah. And all that actually produces yeah. is people looking at us either thinking of us wrongly, meaning, gosh, they must just have it all together, which diminishes our testimony, yeah. makes us more exalted than we ought to be, and yeah. diminishes God in us, right? Yes. Or they literally think we're psycho. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, that person is psycho. Yeah. They roll in you. We know their circumstances, yeah. but they Holiday. must be in such yeah. denial. They're just <laughs> like, I'm good. Yeah. You just, you just, and, and, and so yeah. neither of those are helpful, not to the biblical community, nor to the, nor, nor to the outside community. To the biblical community, they're not helpful because they create an assumption of pretense. If, if more and more of us, our blessed and not stressed ideology, right? Mm-hmm. Then we start producing when it's a large enough community of us doing that, that everybody else walking into the community assumes you can't come here and actually be right. honest Absolutely. Yeah. because God wants you to be happy no matter what, mm. to pretend to be happy no matter what. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. I can both internally in the, in the biblical community as well as externally in the larger community, I can be very honest about my struggle with my circumstances. Yeah. Mm. So let me say that again. I, I should and can be very honest about my struggle with my circumstances. Not just about my circumstances, external. They suck, but I'm good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. They suck. I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. I'm fearful. Mm-hmm. I get to the end of my day and I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I'm grateful. What? What? 
for, and there's where the leap happens. I'm grateful for mm. this clarity, and then I can go into this clarity. Who is God? Mm -hmm. What has he done for me? What is he doing for me? What will he do for me? Now, now I'm preaching the gospel, yeah. right? I'm so grateful that despite daily feeling like I'm going to lose my life, that my life is safe yes. in the hands of a future, a God who's produced a future for me that's extraordinary in the past by rescuing my present, right? And so I'm content insofar as whatever the circumstance produces, though I am fearful in the circumstance who isn't, mm -hmm. I am not ultimately fearful yeah. because of that. And here's the cool part. If he doesn't, if, if I don't lose my life in your particular story mm -hmm. and I live another day, then I also am given the opportunity to know things of him yeah. I could not know any other way. And then I say something like this. Have you ever known what a peace is that transcends understanding? In other words, it makes mm -hmm. no sense. Yeah. I have. Yeah. I have known yeah, that yeah. peace. In fact, I know that peace yeah. at times when I am in a place that makes no sense for peace or contentment or joy, and yet I find it in this reality. Mm -hmm. And what am I keep doing? Yeah. In this Coming reality. Back. So I would argue yeah. one of the greatest places to unravel the gospel negatively <laughs> is to pretend you're grateful for circumstances that suck right. yeah. and pretend yeah. you're not struggling yeah. with them. Doing that doesn't make the gospel beautiful. Mm -hmm. It makes you psychotic yeah. or at least seem psychotic yeah. to others, right? Yeah. And honestly, aren't most of us really just pretending? Yeah. And, and sometimes I, I bump into some people, including myself, on the in Enneagram talk, I'm a seven. So I pretend for myself. So I tell people oftentimes, when I'm being super optimistic about a horrible, horrible circumstance, I'm not lying to you. I have convinced myself. I have lied to myself about how fine it is. So I feel good about it. But that's not a sort of a healthy lie. That's an escape from reality, right? Mm -hmm. So enough of throwing myself under the bus. Here's the deal. The true beauty and true sustainable um, space of gratitude mm -hmm. is when I don't need to make this okay. Yeah. Or feel okay about it mm -hmm. but I can be okay because I know this yeah. and then I bring that cycle to the table in the biblical community mm -hmm. and in the larger community and then they are in awe of what this mm -hmm. and that's God yeah. not me yeah. and they're in awe of how I am connecting to God instead of my circumstances and transcending that mm -hmm. and then it produces a community that I hope mosaic is becoming and has been to an extent where we can be all of us mm -hmm. honest about our current circumstances and how, how they really do suck mm -hmm. and how we really do struggle in them and yet still celebrating our circumstance? No, mm -hmm. our God mm -hmm. yeah. and his promise yeah. and celebrating it with legitimate mm -hmm. gratitude instead of fabricated yeah. gratitude to try to be spiritual. Yeah. And I think too in Proverbs it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so in that scripture I'm like, you're right. When my hope is in health or my hope is in anything of this world, it, it definitely makes my heart sick. Where if my hope is in God alone, then there is, that is my hope, then I am content. Yeah, that's And Paul good. says, consider it pure joy. Yeah. And then he also says, think of things that are pure, that are lovely, that are just, that are, are good. And that does change our thought process yeah. if we continue to think of things that are those things. Yeah, absolutely, because hope is... Hope is a dangerous thing if it's on, this, on a shaky Absolutely. foundation. It is. Yeah. There's nothing more devastating to the human soul yeah. than watching your hope die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And anything you place your hope in that is circumstantial or temporal is inevitably 
going to die. And so um, it, it is this beautiful space in which we are able, by God's grace and by his revelation, we are able to connect to something beyond the immediate circumstances, which affords us the freedom not to pretend we're okay with it. And that, that's, that's the beauty of it. True gratitude in the right person affords us the opportunity to be honest about how we struggle, feel, and what we're currently engaged in. Spiritually fabricated gratitude does not afford us that freedom because it actually unravels our spirituality because we think our spirituality is how happy I am despite how horrible my day is. Yeah, that's really good. Well, uh, Joel Ramjohn, what's up, Joel? He what's just up, posted a little bit ago on the WDW Facebook page. He wrote this. With the rise of social media, things like Instagram, Facebook, and the daily bombardment of stuff and mass perfection, kind of what we're talking about right now, how can we better walk people through freedom using the disciplines of gratitude and celebration, especially those that are facing difficult circumstances, health, financial, loneliness, depression, um, addiction, other stuff like that? Mm. That's a great question. And, and, you know, Carrie, you can expand on this as well, but in, in its simplest form, This is what makes this discipline so beautiful and profound. You cannot walk anyone through any of those things uh, without uh, bringing them back to a clarity of the revelation of the gospel, right? And the discipline of gratitude and celebration both produces and is born out of a clarity of the gospel. So the answer is this. When we draw people back to celebrating what God is for them, who he is for them, what he's done for them. We are using the discipline of celebration to remember, to birth gratitude. When we are drawing them back to an intellectual clarity of the gospel, that intellectual clarity will draw us to gratitude, which will lead to celebration. Mm -hmm. And when we are grateful and we are celebrating, what does that ultimately mean? We have shifted our mindset from what we do not have to what we have. Gratitude and celebration will not exist if your mind is stuck on what you do not have. No one is grateful for what they do not have, right? In terms of, uh, unless what they do not have is produce something that they desire. But I'm saying in the purest form, I've lost something. Mm -hmm. If if I say, I just lost something, I'm so grateful. (laughs) My first question is, why did you hate what you lost, right? Mm -hmm. But if you go, no, no, I loved it, then you're like, no, you're you're using the wrong word for that emotion. Mm -hmm. Gratitude is never the result of something lost or something I don't have. Gratitude is the result of something I have, gained or have. So when we bring people back to this bigger picture, its inevitable end is to shift their mind from what they do not have to what they have. And what they currently are in, how it produces more of what they could have, like we talked in the beginning, intimacy with God. And then they will, they will walk to it. So where we started this whole discussion uh, you know, almost an hour ago with the have and not have and moving your focus right after Carrie told her story, I would just come back to that to answer the question. And I think being present with people. Yeah. And just, you don't have to have the answers. Just be mm. present and just see what God does through you. So most of the time I feel very unequipped to sit with people who are suffering. Um, and I'm sure the people who sat with me felt very unequipped to, as they want to help me as I can't breathe. But them being there made all the difference and it showed me just that I'm not alone and um, God shows you what to say when to say it and what not to say when not to say it and I think often when we get involved with people you know and you said it so beautifully Carrie 
Our thought is, I need to figure out what to say to make their current circumstances feel better, right? And so then when I can't, you've just lost a family member. I don't know what to say. You can't breathe. I don't know what to say. You've just lost your job. I, I don't know what to say. So then we try to produce things that are like pixie dust. Yeah. You know, like, mm. well, it's going to be okay for this. Good one. But when we have the gospel, we always know what to say in this sense. And I'm not talking about the silly uh, pixie dust gospel or like, well, Jesus is still alive. And I'm talking about as we slowly engage in their presence personally and then slowly move them back to remember, even though this is true and even though this is hard and even though I have no answers for you on how to make this better, let us together remember something that transcends this. So my friends and I, when we're gathering up and we're struggling in our, in our family units and our worlds of adoption and, and foster care and, and marriage and all the spaces I live in, we, we gripe a bit. And none of us know what to say to each other because our stuff is so crazy. <laughs> but what, one thing we do is at the end, we all start moving each other back mm-hmm. to all that's true. Yeah. And I don't know what to say, but this is also true. And this is bigger than that. So live here and celebrate this. And this will become a tool for gratitude, not a tool for lack of gratitude. That's super good. Well, we have time for one last question. And uh, I was hoping we could uh, flush it out with a little bit of practicality. So uh, what I would love is for each of you to give me one final thought. What are some ways that we as a family of God, can enter into the disciplines of celebration and gratitude in our lives, uh, both corporately and individually? I mean, I think I'll just always go back to the broken record of preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Mm. So that would be my practical, do that, set a timer if you have to. Um, But the diligence of reminding yourself what God who God is, what he's done for us, what we don't deserve. We deserve hell, and he's gifted us with eternity. Not just that, but he's gifted us with the spirit to live inside of us, to live with purpose today and tomorrow until we meet him in eternity and are with him in glory. And in the midst of that, he's sanctifying us, and um, he's growing in us in holiness. And in the midst of that, we have biblical community to celebrate with. Um, so, And then lean on the people that um, when, you're, when you're struggling, lean on the other people's celebration mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and borrow from them. Uh, let them celebrate with you, for you, yeah. and then and, and continue to tap into his grace, his mercy, and his love, which will change us because when we run to him and being present with him, um, it allows us to um, be thankful. That's good. That's good. I, you Thank know, you. all of that. Um, I think um, ultimately from a corporate sense, I would say this. Do not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but gather up regularly, celebrate, and stir each other up toward love and good deeds. That's actually not my quote. That's out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. So the author of Hebrews was very clear. When we don't gather up in regularity, you're inconsistent in the gathering spaces of community, whether it's a missional community, uh, the corporate gathering of the church on a Sunday, whatever it is. If you neglect that, then you are disconnecting from the space of celebration and gratitude, the remembering, and that's, that's not good for you. On an individual basis, I would just say, preach the gospel to yourself all the time. And the way you can do that in the dailiness is that in every opportunity you have to have the clarity to focus, ask yourself, this thing I'm about to do or this thing I've just done, I'm eating a meal, 
I'm in a meeting. I'm struggling with a client. I'm struggling with a friend. I'm struggling with a spouse. I'm, I'm, I'm in a great place with a friend. I'm in a great place with a spouse, whatever. To, to just on a daily basis, even if it's at the end of your day or in the midst yeah. of it is ideal to say, what does this moment afford me in remembering who God is, what he's done, and the gospel, his redemptive story? And if we can begin to focus, so like I said earlier, when I pray now for a meal, I try to actually pray, not thank you for the meal, but thank you that this little moment is a tangible reminder of the grand rescue you've effected for me. May every mm-hmm. bite remind me of that. Mm-hmm. I actually say that now. Um, or I struggle with my spouse. We have, a, we have an argument. I walk away emotionally. I'm and then, And then if I can go, hold on, what does marriage represent Mm -hmm. about the gospel and what's my privilege in that to participate with God to show the gospel to my spouse and to myself not just to my spouse but to myself now it's a little difficult to remain disconnected and mad and hurt I've got to kind of remedy that because so in everything as much as you can what is this saying about the gospel how can I say something about the gospel through it that's that's great. Thank you guys for bringing us back to the gospel, back to the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Remember, reconstruct, remember. And celebrate. Yeah. And Absolutely. Celebrate. Have fun. <laughs> Absolutely. At the end of the day, this is yeah. about ex- experiencing the joy of the Lord mm-hmm. and all that to be our strength. Yep. So with that, we conclude our time uh, in our series uh, during our lunch hour together and to the spiritual disciplines. But this is just the beginning. We continue to explore and learn more as a community about the disciplines of the faith. And if you are new to them or you're like me and you want to continue to learn more about how to draw near to Jesus through the disciplines of the faith. There's a great book out. Uh, I know Carrie loves it by Donald Whitney. So good. So good. Uh, that uh, is available. We have them at the Connect Walls. You can pick it up on Sunday. It's a great book on the disciplines of the faith. Please check that out. We would wholeheartedly uh, put that one forward. It's a great read. Uh, and it, we're also going to have a link in the comment section right below me. You can click on that and purchase it as well off of Amazon. Also, we, are, we want to continue to make this lunch hour space something that's helpful, beneficial, builds up, equips uh, the saints for the work of ministry. So with that in mind, what I would love for us all to do is shoot an email to uh, lunch hour at thisismosaic.org with any topics, any suggestions for what you would love to hear about in the weeks and months ahead. Lastly, just so you know, we have two weeks left of Lunch Hour with Renault before we take a summer hiatus and then we will be back together into the next semester, into the fall. So again, we'll have two more with a summer break planned beginning on June 12th. So other than that, thank One you last both. thing. Yeah, please. Uh, just to leave you with this. Find ways to celebrate so that you will remember, so that you will find yourself being grateful. Or find ways to remember so that you will be grateful and then celebrate that. Yes. Both those are equally as awesome practically. So good. Find ways to find new things to celebrate, to remember, to be grateful, or to remember to be grateful, to celebrate. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Thanks with, for being with us, guys. With that. <laughs> it's been awesome. Have a grateful day. See you guys Thanks next week. Thanks, Carrie, for being with us. Yeah. It was awesome. Thanks, Carrie. Bye, so. guys.